Hey, what's up, everyone? If you haven't listened to Mike Oaks part one of this series, please take the time and go back and have a listen. Tons of insights on his life story, his early childhood education growing up as a kid. If not, let's get into part two. Oh, yeah. If you haven't subscribed yet, press pause. It's probably the right thing to do by now. It's about to get personal. 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 Just got personal. Gary and I just got personal. It's personal. My name is Derek Bourne. My name is Cornelius Meyer. Hi, my name is Val Brown. This personal. is Nick Stone. Hi, I'm Donald Miller. To be calm, I'm just saying, in this, this particular teacher, that was her strength, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but patience, yeah, patience is... Patience is almost <laughs> everything. I mean, you know, to, to take a moment, take a breath and be like, okay, this is a child, you know what I mean? And this child is learning right now and they're learning how to go about the world. They're not just learning how to read and write. Mm-hmm. They're learning how to interact with their peers. They're learning how to interact with other adults mm-hmm. and absolutely patient. And patience is um, patience is a thing that I think we can all learn. And I think when we as teachers model that patience, mm-hmm. uh, kids see that. Kids see that. Oh, this is a way to react to things. And one way you can react to things is with, with patience and, and calm and love. With patience and, and calm and love. Patience, calm and love. Patience and, and calm and love. You know. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Yeah. Mod- mod- modeling is another thing that's like has kind of changed my teaching as well. Just like showing them how to do stuff and talking about how I did it and why did I do it and et cetera. Like those things have been game changers for me. And a lot of it has come through TC or it's come through responsive classroom. And it's just using that language over and over and over again. Um, And then they get it. Like then they're doing it themselves, which again, how you would want a classroom to be like, they should be doing all the work because they are learners who are capable of incredible things. So yeah, um, I think yes. it's yeah. I to- I totally totally agree with you. Is there anything like would you say within your childhood that you like you had this amazing teacher? Is there anything within your childhood that you would say you didn't enjoy or you didn't like? Personal, 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 personal. Um, and I use that like you can go as extreme as you want to. Um, or it can be as um, little as you want to as well. Like, what what would you say? Is there anything that you didn't enjoy within your childhood? Well, I don't, you know, I don't remember at the time. I, there's probably things at the time that I didn't enjoy and didn't like. But there's things today, looking back, mm-hmm. I think that had influences on me that I wish were a little bit different. I think uh, a lot of the adults in my life... Um, would inadvertently um, do things that may have supported in part to me um, probably a fixed mindset in my own learning. Mm -hmm. Um, So I remember a lot in my life, adults, teachers, family members constantly like praising me for smarts and intelligence, you know, which is coming from a good place. But all this research now with, you know, Carol Dweck and mindset that to, to praise kids for their smarts um, actually sends a message that they're doing things because they have an innate capability. And then what that suggests is, 
is if you're not having success with something or something suddenly gets hard or challenging, the messaging you've been getting your whole life is you've only been succeeding because you're smart. So if you're not good at this thing, it must be because you're not smart. Mm -hmm. And therefore, there's not really a, an impetus, a reason for you to work hard at it and to try to figure it out. And so I remember very early on in third grade, like starting with long division, it got hard for me. And I started tuning out to math because I think I had this fixed mindset of you either got it or you don't got it. And if you don't got it, you don't want to show people. Mm -hmm. And then you stop taking risks. And all this research has come out that has talked about how, um, you know, persevering and working hard is what leads to success. And so when, when we're talking about giving kids praise, saying things like, um, you must be proud of the hard work you put into that. Notice, you know, like you like taking it off the teacher. Now, I'm proud of your hard work, saying mm -hmm. you must be proud of your hard work, that type of stuff. <laughs> Talking about giving kids praise, saying things like, um, you must be proud of the hard work you put into that. Notice, you know, like you like taking it off the teacher. Now, I'm proud of your hard work, saying mm -hmm. you must be proud of your hard work, that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't, you know, at the time I didn't think, but like I don't think I applied myself as much as a learner growing up because of mm -hmm. some of that. I'm not blaming anybody, but I'm just using the opportunity um, for myself now. Now that I know more, um, I can work really hard at things. Like, you know, th there's some things in my life that I, you know, I always thought I've never been good at, like dancing. And now I'm like, hey, <laughs> how do I get good at dancing? <laughs> not by not dancing, but by uh -huh. dancing. By dancing, you know? of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of course. Deliberately practicing the thing. And so uh -huh. it's an opportunity for me to start learning other things. Um, that, you know, I thought were maybe not available to me because, I, you know, I thought you either had it or you didn't have it. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, things that I didn't love, um, I mean, probably like any kid would say, um, probably <laughs> like the mean teacher, you know. <laughs> Of course. Uh -huh. <laughs> of course. No, I totally get it. And, and, and I'll go back to what you were saying, though, like the power of language. Language is such a powerful tool. Like I remember when um, we had a uh, responsive classroom training. I think I had maybe, I think it was last year, but we had to go through a number of sessions and um, we had this consultant named Carrie from responsive classroom. And she just talked about how to change your language into that, what you're talking about, um, giving the ownership and the power to the kids and allowing them to see that their work is really good. Not having them have to ask you for approval. Like, you know, how kids always come up and say, is this good or is this enough? Yeah. Like right. teaching them and showing them that they are the ones who need to believe that this is enough or this is okay. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think that's so, if, if, if one thing I wish I could have changed, which you can't as a new teacher know because you're still learning, but I wish I would have knew a little bit earlier on is like the power of like how you say things to students or kids mm. um, and even say things to adults. Like it's so important to remember and, um, like stay knowledgeable of like how you ask questions and how you make comments. Like words are so powerful. They're so, so powerful. Um, yeah. Like what did your childhood home look like? Personal, 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 personal. Well, I grew up on uh, this town called Hudson, Wisconsin. And so it was right on this, uh, this river and this river was dug out by an ancient glacier so the uh -huh. you know the, the the rivers in the southern united states are all like windy and serpentine like the southern mississippi but uh -huh. the, in the northern part of the states are deep 
right? And they're like straight because they're dug out by glaciers. So I, I grew up at the bottom of the ravine uh, where like the like there's this little like river town, and a part of the town was in the down on um, down in the valley, and part of the town was on top of the ravine. And I grew up right at the right where the ravine started. So I grew up on a dead end next to this big, um, it was just this big like natural space that probably just belonged to the city. Um, you know, like my house was the house that people came over to. They would like knock on the door and like say, hey, can we go sledding at your house? Uh, um, cool. Now hills and stuff. Um, and so it was a quiet area. My dad was a teacher, so, you know, he had summers off. I was able to, you know, spend a lot of time at home with my family. Um, I had a sister. Um, like I said, snow was on the ground for much of the year. Um, I like things like, I like baseball, I like soccer. You know, surprisingly, I never really got into hockey, maybe because of that fixed mindset stuff. But also, <laughs> I was a very sensitive child, and hockey got a very strong degree of physicality to it. Uh -huh. <laughs> and you can learn to skate. I mean, from Canada, you can learn to skate before you really can get on there. I don't know, maybe that's how you learn to skate. <laughs> it looked rough, and I was like, that is not for me. Um, <laughs> But I was a I was a sensitive child. I love to I love to read. Um, I love to you know play with my Ninja Turtles. Who's your favorite Ninja Turtle? You know I liked Raphael. Raphael. Ah, me too. Me yeah. too. Me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Um, partly because everybody loved Michelangelo. Orange was my favorite color, so I was, I, maybe I was a little bit resentful at all my peers being like, oh, now everybody likes orange. And so, just to be a contrarian, I'm like, I'm gonna go with the, the cynical guy, the, the uh, Raphael. That's awesome. Mike, I'm not gonna keep you too much longer. I have, a, but I have to ask, because I think it's super important. And for someone who's been working with TC for, how long have you been working with TC? Oh, and for, so I, I started there as a student uh, 11 wow. years ago. 11 years and, ago. So, so I've sort of like weaned my way to, you know, started uh -huh. working there. Uh, gosh, I've been there uh, as a staff. I've been doing summer institutes since 2010. Wow. I had my first school in 2012. I started, or 2011. I started part-time 2012 and full-time mm -hmm. 14. Wow. So, so, I, so having someone like you... Um, on the podcast is extremely important. Just three tips for teachers um, around literacy. I'll do my best. Yeah. I think, number one, I think all the, the work around building relationships, uh, the relationships between teachers and students. So all this work that you know we're seeing that has to do with things uh, like equity um, and just awareness, uh, but basically get it, having kids get to know us and uh, us getting to know kids more um, how kids perceive us is a top influence on their achievement. Um, it's huge. Um, and so any, any work around building relationships with students, I think is super important because at the end of the day, the, the kids are making a decision whether or not they want to learn from us and we can influence that in super powerful ways um, by building relationships. It starts by just getting to know them, having them get to know us. It's the most basic human level of, of building a relationship. Um, I think the second thing is, is I'm, I'm big into research. Um, and so just keeping abreast of, of what the latest research is and, um, and, and keeping, keeping things attuned to that, I think 
lot of exciting things um, are always happening in education. I think uh, the, the world of research and education is really starting to uh, grow right now. Um, and I think that the more we not only read the research, but talk about what it means and what its effects might be, because as teachers, we're in the classroom every day and we have to make the, we have to make the research applicable and practical and, and real. And so like marrying the two um, together. And then uh, number three, have fun. I think when, I, and I, I'm just saying this, partly I say this stuff to myself whenever I, I'm sharing this stuff is when I finally let go of worrying about things and what kids need to know and not know and, and really ask myself like, what's gonna be fun in learning? How are kids gonna really enjoy the learning? Put myself in a nine-year-old's shoes. Remember what it was like to be 10 and how I saw the world and what was enjoyable and also learning. Um, I think that was, um, I think that's a powerful tool. I guess those are three. That's awesome. Thanks, Mike. Mike, thank you so much. I think those three tips, if I, I remember getting tips going in as a new teacher. And again, I go back to just like, I don't know if you can get, you just, you have to know that your first year of teaching is going to be this like wild and wacky ride of just like mm -hmm. trying to soak up information and figure out like your style. Um, but I, I totally agree with you. Those have fun is something sometimes we forget about. Um, if you're, you should be having fun as a teacher. Um, learning is fun, right? Learn, exactly. Learning is definitely, definitely fun. Mike, thank you so much for being on uh, It's thank Personal. You. I am so glad we like kind of reconnected, I would say. Like, I remember we had talked a little bit when you first came and then I found you on, I think I found you on Twitter right away, but I hadn't really, I hadn't, you know, it's probably me because I hadn't been really on Twitter, like even talking uh -huh. to anyone. But I'm yeah, so yeah. happy that we are now like connected again. We are definitely Super excited, I'm and I, you very, know, what? and very grateful for it myself. Yeah, and you know what? And I'll be watching those Brook those Brooklyn Nets, and I'll be cheering. I'll be cheering them on for you as well. All right, Mike. Until next time, thank you again. And I want you to again continue the great work that you are doing. I am super appreciative just having you on, and um, I'm out. Thank you, sir. Take All care. Right.